Blog Talk Radio. Psalm 82, a psalm of Asaph. God standeth in the congregation of the mighty. He judgeth among the gods. How long will ye judge unjustly and accept the persons of the wicked? Selah. Defend the poor and fatherless. Do justice to the afflicted and needy. Deliver the poor and needy. Rid them out of the hand of the wicked. They know not, neither will they understand. They walk on in darkness. All the foundations of the earth are out of course. I have said, Ye are gods, and all of you are children of the Most High. But ye shall die like men, and fall like one of the princes. Arise, O God, judge the earth, for thou shalt inherit all nations. Well, good morning, everyone. This is uh, Kennard Brown speaking. I'm your host for the Merciful Servants of God Biblical Instructional Program. I'm sure that people who uh, follow this program for years are wondering, okay, why you're doing a Sunday broadcast. Well, I think I mentioned in a previous program that I've uh, had to change my schedule. I uh, do have an assembly here uh, in, in my local area, and because of the needs of that assembly, I decided not to do blog talk radio shows on Shabbat or on Saturday anymore. So Sundays is the best time for me with my schedule right now at 10 o'clock Eastern Standard Time. Of course, you could listen to this program in its entirety in the archives uh, 24-7 on your iPhones and smartphones. So it's easily accessible to everyone. I have a reach with this program over the Internet, over approximately over 2 billion people worldwide. Uh, it would be a miracle, of course, for everyone to hear this program that have access to the Internet, but that is the, that is the potential. So I thought I'd tell you that so you can pray that as many people as possible can listen to this program, this free program, this free biblical education. All right, we're going to talk about something today that uh, I would say a significant portion of people have a problem doing. I'm going to talk about the idea and the concept of forgiving people or having forgiveness. Uh, this is very important that uh, we understand that we must forgive people. And let's turn to Matthew chapter 6, verse 14 to 15, to really understand this. And this is a definitive statement by the Master, Yeshua. Jesus is his English name. Matthew 6, verse 14 to 15. For if you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you forgive not men their trespasses, will your Father forgive your trespasses? So that's very important when uh, I, I find in, in, in this movement that I'm in, the Hebraic Roots movement, the, or the movement to understand that the, the Bible's laws or instructions must be obeyed by everyone and that our Master or our Lord is a Jew, and we must understand the Bible in the context of a Jewish setting. Uh, I find in this movement that 
if something is done to hurt a brother and sister and Messiah. Some have a, a very difficult time forgiving the person and showing through their their efforts that they have forgiven the person and also forgetting what the person has done. And I just read that scripture for those who are listening to me who are having a difficult time truly forgiving something. And let me emphasize the word truly because if you really have forgiven someone, you will forget what they've done. You will wipe it away and you guys continue the the relationship you had before the sin was committed towards you. And many people have a difficult time with that because they have an issue with having vengeance or wanting to get back at that individual. So they have a grudge against that person. But God tells us that that is not right to have that type of attitude. Now, before I address that, there's another scripture that the Lord is leading me to quote, uh, Luke chapter 23, verse 24. Turn to that scripture, get your Bible. Whenever you listen to these audio Bible studies, which really is in line, hold your place in Luke chapter 23, verse 34. Another scripture popped in my mind here in Romans chapter 10. Romans chapter 10. Verse uh, 14, I'm going to read this all the way to, to verse 17. It says, How then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? And I, I hear in this movement sometimes, Well, I don't need anyone to teach me anymore. The Holy Spirit will teach me. Well, the Bible says that uh, in most cases a preacher has to teach you. And, and I get knowledge. Um, people ask me, Well, who's your teacher? Well, uh, I read various commentaries uh, from, from Jewish scholars and those who have learned enough uh, from the Bible that I can actually um, recognize that their writings, uh, their exegesis of Scripture is credible. Uh, commentaries. I, I read commentaries, and as long as they're backing up with Scripture, I accept it. And if, they, if it's not backed up by Scripture, I reject it. And so let's go to Romans 10, verse 15. And how shall they preach except they be sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace, the good news of peace, and bring glad tidings of of good things. And peace is defined in the Bible. One of the ways uh, peace is defined in the Bible. Hold your place in Romans 10, verse 15. And we'll go to Psalm 119. Psalm 119, verse 165. And it states the following here. Great peace. Not little peace, but great peace. The word great, uh, Hebraically, can mean abundant. Abundant peace. Have they which love thy law, or Torah instructions, the Pentateuch, Decalogue, and nothing shall offend them or cause them to fall. And so the key, one of the central keys to, to learning how to forgive someone, what you're going to understand has something to do with having compassion and mercy towards someone. His understanding that you're practicing peace, inner peace for yourself, because it's very important not to let people's sins 
cause you to fall. And when someone has a difficult time forgiving and forgetting the infraction, and there's two ways that you can forgive people, by the way, so I'm going to go over that. I already covered the first. Well, actually, I haven't. I haven't covered either, so I'm going to cover that today. We still have to do it, ladies and gentlemen. If you cannot forgive someone based on the tour, you got some issues. You got some issues with yourself. And remember, the Bible says in Proverbs thirteen verse ten, only by pride comes only 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 by pride. So let's turn there. Proverbs thirteen verse ten. Proverbs thirteen verse ten. It states plainly, only by pride comes contention. In the Hebraic way of understanding, contention means a quarrel, a debate, a strife. And so you got to suck it up, folks. you got to humble yourself when someone has done something to you. And you cannot have a vengeful attitude toward them, ladies and gentlemen. That is not your place, and you need to stop acting like it is. When someone has uh, done something wicked toward you, that doesn't give you the right to want to execute vengeance on them because we don't have that right. And so the Bible suggests we do the following. If someone has done something to us to the point of where we think that we need to, to make them hurt too, uh, we, we need to, to study the scriptures on that, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, that's not the way God wants us to handle things. And we need to to do it God's way. And he suggests that we do not take vengeance. In Hebrews 10, verse 30, he states, For we know him that has said vengeance belongs to me. He says, I will recompense, said the Lord. We should not take vengeance. In Romans 12, verse 19, it says, Dearly beloved, avenge not yourselves but rather give place unto wrath, for it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay. So in verse 20, he gives us a suggestion, Therefore, if thine enemy hunger, feed him. I'm going to cover that a little bit more today in this program. If he thirsts, give him drink. For in so doing, thou shalt heap coals of fire on his head. And when people hold grudges against other people, and they cannot truly forgive a person. I hear people say, well, I forgive you, I forgive you, but I choose not to be around you. Now, there are exceptional cases. Uh, if someone's in jail, <laughs> how can they be around you? Or uh, if, if someone is contagious with a disease or whatever, that says you can forgive them, but, you know, you can't be around them. But, or uh, some other unique situations. But generally, if the person is, is normal and, uh, normal acting, and they, they come to you and say, hey, I'm sorry for doing thing to you, and I'm going to work on overcoming, and you don't forgive that person, then you, you are having this grudge. You have this vengeance attitude within you, and you want to get back at that person. And that's not scriptural, ladies and gentlemen. In verse 20, therefore, if thy enemy hunger, feed him. If he thirsts, give him drink. For in so doing, you shall heap coals of fire on his head. In verse 21, Here's the key. Be not overcome of evil, and when you hold a grudge against someone, you're being overcome of evil. Be not overcome of evil, 
but overcome evil with good. It doesn't say overcome evil with having a grudge. It doesn't say that, ladies and gentlemen. And uh, if you have grudges against anybody, you're not going to, to spiritually grow. And this is a very important program that I'm giving because I know a lot of people, not just in the assembly of God, Yah or God, but outside of it. And when I say assembly, I'm talking about a church. Because in, in the King James Version and other translations, it translates the word church. Actually, assembly, um, the that's the Hebraic meaning of it, but the, it's translated church. And so for those who are listening to me for the first time, you understand what I'm saying. But we, we've got, you can't have grudges against someone, ladies and gentlemen. Because when you can't forgive someone when there's justifiable reason to do so, you have a grudge against that person. And having a grudge against a person is not going to help you, ladies and gentlemen. And then Leviticus 19, verse 18, as far as grudges, thou shalt not avenge nor bear any grudge. Leviticus 19, verse 18. Thou shalt not avenge nor bear any grudge against the children of thy people. And that's being angry. If you don't want to forgive someone, you're you're still angry at them. But he says, in this context, it's beautiful, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. And so you've got to be careful about having grudges against people. And here in James chapter 5, verse 9, grudge not against one another, brethren, that you be not condemned. Oh, see, that that's very serious there. You know, uh, you, you can't grudge against another. You can't do that. So it says you'll be condemned if you if you do have a grudge against someone. And if you don't want to forgive someone when there's uh, ample evidence and justification that you should, you have a grudge. You have a grudge. And God tells us that if we have a grudge against someone, we will be condemned. He says, behold, the judge stands before the door. Okay, and another translation is complaining. Now, if if you have a grudge against someone, you don't want to forgive someone, that, that's having a grudge. When there's justifiable reason to, to forgive, and we're going to get into that, and, and another translation of this in the Amplified Version, do not complain, brethren, against one another. And so when you don't forgive someone, when there's justifiable reason to, that's a complaint against that person. A, a complaint that is not justified. There are legitimate complaints, but they're talking about a complaint that's not justified when you are uh, when the situation justifies that you should forgive. Do not complain, brethren, against one another, so that you yourselves may not be judged. Look, the judge is already standing at the door. So, you know, ladies and gentlemen, for those who have an issue with forgiving people, when you should. You got some serious issues. You are the one that has a problem. You need to repent. So I'm just trying to make myself very clear here. So let's go over the the uh, cases biblically where you do forgive someone. First, let's look at the case, um, and Yeshua beautifully uh, talked about this. Remember when he was on the cross? When he was on the cross, and what did he say here? It was a very unique statement in Luke 23, verse 34. 
Then said Yeshua, in Luke 23, verse 34. Luke 23, verse 34. Then said Yeshua, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. All right, so that's an example to forgive people if they are have no clue about what they've done. And I, I know that we can, for those who've had children, we can certainly relate to this because uh, a lot of times babies, more often than not, they don't have a clue of what they're doing. And we easily forgive them. We should do that with any adult or whatever that ha- they have no clue, and it's proof that they don't have no clue that they did something. Like, uh, it can be a number of examples. Like someone may have taken something of yours and you didn't know that, they thought it was theirs, but it was yours. Hey, forgive them, for they did not know that it was yours or whatever. Okay, so that's an example of the many. But we are certainly commanded based on this because we're supposed to follow Yeshua's example based on 1 John chapter 2, verse 6. If he forgave people because they did not know what they are doing, so should we. And God does that. He forgives people because they don't have a clue about whatever they did. So that's something that we need to follow. Now, the second the second way that we forgive people uh, is if, now, if the individual knows what they did wrong, if the individual knows that they did something wrong, all right, then we, we forgive them if they repent. So, in Luke 17, verse 3 to 4, it says, Take heed to yourselves. If thy brother trespass against thee, rebuke him or correct him. So, ladies and gentlemen, correction is must be done. That's a part of loving someone. And people think that correction is evil or is, is something of the devil. Some people do, and they, they don't really understand the scriptures, nor do they understand how to live properly when they act that way. Uh, Luke chapter 17, verse 2 here, that uh, proves that we should practice on uh, forgiving um, our individuals by correcting them and helping them um, see their sins so they can forgive. Uh, Luke chapter 17, verse 3 to 4. Luke chapter 17, verse 3 to 4. It says, take heed to yourselves. If thy brother trespass against thee, correct him. Now hold your place here. I'm going to turn to a scripture that perhaps you may not be familiar with, but it's a shocking scripture uh, in the context of correction. Uh, Proverbs chapter 12, verse 1. It states plainly, whosoever loves instruction loves knowledge, but he that hates reproof is brutish. And that word brutish in the Hebrew means stupid. And so if you don't want to be corrected, folks, the Bible calls you stupid. All right, It's not Kanar calling you stupid. The Word of God is calling us all stupid if we have this rotten attitude of not wanting to be corrected. In Psalm 141, verse 5, it says, Let the righteous smite me. This is a Psalm of David. Let the righteous smite me. It shall be a kindness, and let him reprove me. It shall be an excellent oil. He had a wonderful attitude about correction. This is King David. He was a prophet. King David. 
King David. And so we need to have that type of attitude. Now, people may say, well, how many times should I forgive someone? Verse 4 of Luke chapter 17, and if he trespass against thee seven times in a day, which, by the way, seven is the number of completion, and seven times in a day turn again to thee, saying, I repent, you shall forgive him. I've heard people tell me, well, uh, you say that you uh, you say that you're sorry, but I don't see any proof. Well, if you don't allow that person to fellowship with you, how in the world can you tell whether or not that person has changed? You have to give that person an opportunity. And when people don't give that person an opportunity to show that they have changed, then they are having a grudge against that person, which the Bible says you will be condemned if you continue to have that attitude. This is serious, ladies and gentlemen. You've got to repent of that, of having grudges against someone. That's not... Uh, a, 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 a grudge is a complaint. Now, there are legitimate complaints. If your brother or sister knows what they have done and they don't come to come to you and say, I'm sorry, I repent, then that's a different story. You have a right to not forgive that person until they come to you. But on the other hand, uh, I already gave you the other example of forgiving someone and they don't have a clue of what they did. We must do that. Anyway, Matthew 18, verse 21, is a, a good uh, question that uh, Kepha, or Peter, asked the master. Kepha is a Hebrew name for Peter. Matthew 18, verse 21, Then came Kepha to him and said, Master, how often shall, how oft shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him? Till seven times. And then in verse 22 of Matthew, chapter 18, Yeshua said unto them, I say not unto thee until seven times, but... Until 70 times 7. 70 times 7, which is 490, which has something to do with the Daniel uh, 9, verse 24, 27 prophecy, which is uh, another Bible study. But anyway, Yeshua said unto them, I say unto thee, until 7 times, but until 70 times 7. And it's interesting, the 490 uh, day prophecy, because that certainly has everything to do with repentance and Yeshua coming and saving mankind and and shedding his blood for mankind and so forth. And so, and then he leads into another interest, and I was going to talk about it, yeah, I might as well talk about the parable now. To An example of how we should forgive people, and people need to study this parable. It's a very powerful parable, ladies and gentlemen. And so, he's giving Kepha and us an example of how we should forgive people based on his question. So let's listen up to God's words here. In verse 26, Therefore the kingdom of God, or the kingdom of heaven, is a spiritual dimension, likened unto a certain king, which would take account of his servants. And when he had begun to reckon, one was bought unto him, which owed him 10,000 talents. Verse 25, But for as much as he had not to pay, his Lord commanded him to be sold, and his wife and children, and all that he had in payment to be made. The servant fell down and worshipped him, saying, Lord, have patience with me. Pay thee all. And see, when you forgive somebody, it does involve patience, ladies and gentlemen. You can't be impatient and expect someone to be totally perfect about what they have done. But if they're making an effort, 
and you see that effort. And how can you see that effort if you don't fellowship with the person? You can't, through emails or speaking on the phone even, you can't really see whether or not someone is sincere about repenting. Uh, face-to-face interaction is, is the primary uh, is, and the optimal uh, communication that we all should have to see whether or not someone has truly changed. But anyway, Matthew 18, verse 26, The servant therefore fell down and worshipped him, saying, Lord, have patience with me, and I will pay thee all. And verse 27, Then the Lord of that servant was moved with compassion. He was moved with compassion, ladies and gentlemen. And that word compassion means pity. Being merciful. Being merciful. It means to have mercy, to alleviate the consequences of sin or suffering in the lives of others. And so when you forgive someone, it has something to do with mercy. It has something to do with mercy. And then the Lord of that servant was moved with compassion and mercy and loosed him and forgave him the debt. And so, folks, if we want to have mercy, we must have mercy toward other people. And when you forgive someone, you're having mercy. And if you cannot forgive someone, don't ever expect God to have mercy on you. Matthew 18, verse 28. The same servant went out and found one of his fellow servants, which owed him a hundred pence. And he laid hands on him and took him by the throat, saying, Pay me that thou what thou owest. So this person is not being merciful. He's not being compassionate. In verse 29, And his fellow servant fell down at his feet and besought him, saying, Have patience with me, and I will pay thee all. Verse 30, And he would not, but went out and cast him into prison till he should pay the debt. Verse 31, And so when his fellow servants saw what was done, they were very sorry, and came and told until their Lord all that was done. In verse 32, Then the Lord said, after that he had called him and said unto him, O thou wicked servant, I forgave thee all that debt, because thou desired me. Shouldest not thou also have had compassion on thy fellow servant, even as I had pity on thee? See, this is an example. We've got to follow the Master's examples, folks. If we can't learn how to have mercy, And one of the ways you show mercy is by forgiving someone based on the criteria. I I mentioned that to you. Number one, if if the person didn't know any better, you should certainly be forgiving them. And if the person did know better and they came to you and said, I'm sorry, I want to change, I'm sorry I did this to you, then you must forgive them. And when you forgive somebody, you're showing a facet or a characteristic of having mercy towards someone. Pity. And it states here, even as I had pity on thee. And his Lord was angry and delivered him to the tormentors till he should pay all that was due unto them. And here's the warning, folks, in verse 35. So likewise shall my heavenly Father do also unto you, if you from your hearts forgive not everyone his brother, their trespasses. So this this is a a very important parable, ladies and gentlemen, that uh, you need to really 
pay attention to, especially for those who have a problem forgiving people, is certainly self-righteousness if you have a problem forgiving people. There's no doubt about it. You think you all this and all, you think you Mrs. or Mr. Holy cannot forgive someone when you should be forgiving them. You're thinking too much of yourself. You need to repent of it if you cannot forgive someone based on, of course, biblical justification for doing so. And see, here's another warning in James 2, verse 13. It says, for he shall have judgment without mercy that shows no mercy. You, One of the greatest ways you show mercy is forgiving people. Call my ministry the merciful servants of God. I'm always willing to forgive someone. You should be ready to forgive. You don't run away from it or look for excuses not to do it. You should forgive somebody. You should be willing and ready to get excited to, to forgive someone. Psalm 86, verse 5. It says, For thou, Lord, are good and ready to forgive. We should be ready to forgive. We should be preparing to forgive. Not looking for reasons not to. This is interesting about this Hebrew word is salah. It says an adjective meaning forgiving. This particular word is used only once in the Bible in a verse that describes the love and mercy of God, which is Psalm 86, verse 5. You're having love and mercy when you forgive people and plenteous in mercy unto all them that cause. So this is a powerful scripture to help you understand what forgiveness is. For thou, Lord, art good and ready to forgive, and plenteous in mercy unto all them that call upon thee. And we should be the same way, ladies and gentlemen. We should be ready to forgive people, ready to forgive. And you, you must forget the infraction. Uh, Jeremiah 31, verse 34 31, verse 34. And they shall teach no more every man his neighbor and every man his brother, saying, Know the Lord like I'm doing. This is a prophecy of the future. For they shall all know me from the least of them unto the greatest of them, says the Lord. For I will forgive their iniquity. And what is forgiving iniquity involved? And I will remember their sin no more. And so when people have grudges, they say, Oh, I forgive, but, you know, I can't allow you to be around me, and I just still don't like you, but I can forgive you. Well, that's not biblical, folks, because you're still remembering their sin. And because because you're remembering the sin, that's that's one of the reasons why you, one of the major reasons why you don't want to be around them. So you truly haven't forgiven that person. Don't fool yourself. And so you have to repent of that. Second uh, Corinthians 2, verse 7, if you are struggling of that, that problem. Second Corinthians 2, verse 7. 2 Corinthians 2, verse 7. It says, I want to read this in the uh, Amplified Version for clarity's sake. So instead of further rebuke now, you should rather turn and graciously forgive and comfort and encourage him to keep him from being overwhelmed by excessive sorrow and despair. I, I get the sense that some people, and they say they want someone just to cry to the point where they have a bucket of tears before they accept forgiveness. Where is that in the Bible? If someone comes to you and say, I'm sorry, 
You need to accept that. It's, it's self-righteousness and plain wickedness to not accept someone's uh, apology and, and, and their forgiveness. Because after all, the Lord, he gave his life for all of mankind, not just for Israel, but for the entire world, including Israel. And so God loves the wicked must learn how to do that, ladies and gentlemen, or we won't be in God's kingdom. You think you will, you won't. Exodus 23, verse 4 to 5. Exodus 23, verse 4 to 5. Exodus 23, verse 4 to 5. If you meet your enemy, this is what a concept of loving, loving, uh, do good to your enemies, love your enemies. Exodus 23, verse 4. If you meet your enemy's ox or his donkey going astray, you shall surely bring it back to him again. And this is your enemy's ox. (laughs) Verse 5, if you see the donkey of one who hates you lying, helpless under his load, you shall refrain from leaving the man to cope with it alone. You shall help him to release it. This is powerful. This is where Yeshua got the concept of loving your enemies. They say it's not in the Torah. It is in the Torah. Some Jews say that. I mean, this is this is to me a simple concept, folks. And uh, we 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 better stop holding grudges against one another. That's one of the reasons why we don't have unity in the Hebraic Roots movement, uh, and 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 outside of the movement, in, in our Christian churches. This is certainly a very wicked behavior not to forgive someone. Very one of the most wicked things that that can be done towards someone. Second um, Samuel chapter twenty-two verse thirty-six. You have also given me the shield of your salvation, and uh, I'm quoting this. I think I misquoted here. Second Samuel twenty-two verse thirty-six um, about forgiveness here. Okay, yeah. Second Samuel twenty-two verse twenty-six. With the merciful, you will show thyself merciful, and the upright man. Without show thyself upright. So we better make sure we're merciful toward people. And being merciful is, is being ready to forgive, folks. you got to be ready to forgive. Don't run away from it. Don't make excuses. Um, this reminds me of a, a passage in Genesis chapter 50. Remember how Joseph's brothers turned against him with the exception of Benjamin? And his father, before he died, wrote a message to Joseph in and, and, and Genesis 50, verse 16. And they sent the messenger unto Joseph, saying, Thy father did command before he died, saying, verse 17, So shall you say unto Joseph, Forgive, I pray thee, the trespass of thy brethren and their sin. For they did unto thee evil. And now we pray thee, forgive the trespass of the servants of the Lord of thy father. And Joseph wept. When they spake unto him. And so his father gave him some wisdom, as fathers are supposed to give their sons. And he said, forgive your brothers. They did evil, but forgive them. Forgive them. Just forgive them. And it's interesting, the uh, the Hebrew word for forgive in this context 
is uh, it means to to take away, to take away, to take away, uh, to take away guilt, to take away. And so, ladies and gentlemen, that's that's important to understand. And that's nasa in Hebrew. That we have to take away the infraction. That's what I've been saying all along. When you forgive someone, you just don't say, okay, I forgive you. You you do the best you can to forget that that person did whatever they did towards you. Truly forgive someone. And you do, do, do it through your actions. You allow that person to be in your presence again. You don't say, okay, I forgive you, but I'll just love you at a distance. Now, of course, there's situations where you have to do that, okay? But but generally, especially um, brothers and sisters in, in Messiah and Christ, you should make the best effort you can to fellowship with that individual. Many people today don't understand the importance of fellowship. Without fellowship, you can't really grow. I know there's exceptional situations where people are, are stranded, don't have anyone. God takes care of that. But when you are able to fellowship with people, you grow. You've got to compare this to a, on a physical or temporal situation or plane with the physical family. Let me ask you a question. When the father is really ever around in a family, what happens to that family? What happens to the daughter? What happens to the son? Well, the son does not have a father figure to be a man, and the daughter doesn't have an example of a, ma- a man to, to go for when she desires a man to marry her. And so they both suffer because of that. And, of course, they both suffer because they don't have that male leadership around them. What happens if the mother's not around? Well, there's, there's catastrophic uh, consequences for that. It has been proven statistically over the years that when a family is not together and when they're not around each other and when the father doesn't spend time with his kids and when the mother doesn't spend time with the kids, is it affects them in a mighty way. So it is with the spiritual family, ladies and gentlemen. The spiritual family is no different. We are a family and we got to all start acting like we are family, ladies and gentlemen. And I find that that is an issue in this movement. We seem to care more about our physical family than our spiritual family. And that and that's sad. That's sad, but uh, that is true. That is true in this movement. And we have to, to treat each other. Like we're family, because that is what we are. And if we don't understand that, then we some sad cases. Uh, Luke chapter eight verse twenty states this. Actually, in verse nineteen, Luke eight verse nineteen. Then came to him his mother and his brother. And this is Yeshua's physical family, and could not come at him for the press. In verse twenty, and it was told him by certain which said, Thy mother and thy brethren stand without, desiring to see thee. In verse 21, and he answered and said unto them, My mother and my brethren are these which hear the word of God. And not just hear it, but do it. That is your true family, ladies and gentlemen. That is your true family. Um, you know, I have a father and a mother, and, you know, I love them, but I cannot talk to them about what I'm talking to, to you about. Those who are truly listening to me and understanding the words that I'm preaching to you. And in Matthew 19, verse 29, he promised that we would have other 
brethren and other people outside of our physical family if we take up our cross and suffer with him and, and, and believe the actual true words of the Bible. Matthew 19, verse 29, And everyone that has forsaken houses or brethren, and I certainly have done that, or sisters or father or mother or wife or children or lands for my sake shall receive a hundredfold and shall receive everlasting life. Okay, so this, this is very important to understand. Uh, companion scripture to this, parallel scripture, Mark chapter 10, verse 29 to 30. And Yeshua answered and said, Verily I say unto you, there is no man that has left house or brethren or sisters or father or mother or wife or children or lands for my sake and for the Gospels. Verse 30, But he shall receive a hundredfold now in this time, houses and brethren and sisters and brothers and children and lands with, with persecution, with difficulties. It's not going to be easy. And in the world to come, eternal life. And so learn how to fellowship with your spiritual family. It's like you fellowship and desire the, the, the fellowship with your physical family. You should not avoid them. When the scripture says in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 25, you must understand this in the spiritual family context. And if you need the physical family context to understand it, then whatever. But this is what God is talking about here in Hebrews chapter 10, verse 24 to 25. And let us consider one another to provoke unto love, let us consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works. So when we are considering one another, this word in the Greek means to consider, discover, to provoke uh, unto love and to good works, not forsaking the assembly of ourselves together as the manner of some is. So we should not be forsaken. I already explained to you logically that when you forsake your family, your physical family, bad things happen. Well, one of the reasons why we have this unity in the Hebraic Roots movement is because people are looking for ridiculous excuses not to fellowship with each other. And one of them is the failure to truly forgive someone and forget what they've done when they follow the Bible in reference to forgiving. So, not forsaking the assembly of ourselves together as a manner of some is, but exhorting one another, and so much the more as you see the day approaching. So, how can you exhort one another if you don't if you're not around each other? So we've got to stop all this not wanting to fellowship with uh, our brother. Now there's situations because of sin and because of not repenting that you shouldn't. But if they are repenting and if they are showing the willingness to change, then you have no reason, no reason whatsoever, not to fellowship with them. And so I, I'm telling you that. So I'm hoping that you um, repent if you do have grudges against someone. Uh, even in Jewish writings, even in the Talmud, it says, this is Yoma 85b, as in boy, for certain sins repentance gives a respite, and a day of atonement atones, but he who sins against his neighbor must first be reconciled to him. So, so he, Yeshua commanded this, of course, in Matthew chapter 18 with the conflict resolution, uh, verse 15 and 17, but even in Jewish writings, they understand that the person that sins, uh, they they should they should want to reconcile, and the person that has been sinned, has suffered from the sin, should be willing to reconcile. And it states right here: not only should one not harbor hatred and vengeance in his heart, but it is his duty to help his enemy, which certainly presupposes forgiveness of him. And this is found in the article on the Jewish Encyclopedia, excellent article on forgiveness. The www.jewishencyclopedia.com. And so, ladies and gentlemen, I hope that 
you understand that it's important to forgive people. I hope in this short Bible study you understand how to do it. And may God bless and keep you. And y'all willing, I'll be available to you next week. Shalom. Peace. Malachi chapter 4 For behold, the day cometh that shall burn as an oven, and all the proud, yea, and all that do wickedly shall be stubble. And the day that cometh shall burn them up, saith the Lord of hosts, that it shall leave them neither root nor branch. But unto you that fear my name shall the Son of Righteousness arise with healing in his wings, and ye shall go forth and grow up as calves of the stall. And ye shall tread down the wicked, for they shall be ashes under the soles of your feet in the day that I shall do this, saith the Lord of hosts. Remember ye the law of Moses my servant, which I commanded unto him in Horeb for all Israel, with the statutes and judgments. Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord. And he shall turn the heart of the fathers to the children, and the heart of the children to their fathers, lest I come and smite the earth with a curse.